Bible tonight, I want to encourage you to go with me, please, to the book of Acts, chapter number 4. Acts, chapter 4, in your Bibles. And uh, I want us to take a look at something that I think is uh, truly wonderful. And we, we look here in verse number 13. The Bible says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in His name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, They let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. And again, verse 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Lord, I pray that others may know that we have been with Jesus. God, I pray that tonight You would fill me with Thy Holy Spirit. Lord, minister the truth to every life, I pray. In the lovely name of Jesus, Amen. Tonight I want to bring you a message entitled simply, Miraculous Living. Miraculous Living. You see, Peter was one who didn't always make the right decisions. He didn't always say the right things. But he discovered that when he was with the Lord, miracles were about to happen. The miraculous would happen. And I submit to you tonight that when we determine to walk with God, when we determine to live in the presence of our Savior, miracles can happen. I wonder tonight, do you believe that we serve a miracle-working God? Oh, I know that we've read through the Scriptures and we have heard of all the many miracles that were accomplished at the hand of God throughout the Scripture. And yet, I wonder, when was the last time you bore witness to the miraculous? I wonder, when was the last time you saw a mighty moving of the hand of God. We, we talk about revival and we talk about uh, the moving of the Holy Spirit of God. And I wonder really, have we seen it on a supernatural level that was so transcendent that it could only be defined as miraculous? I believe that what we need to understand is that when Peter was with the Lord, he saw miracles take place. And I believe that We need to just revel in the promise of our Savior who said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. You know, that that ought to just uh, make a jackrabbit slap a hound dog. He's so happy about it. And I I think all of us need to get happy about the the promise that we have that the Lord will never leave us. And, and, And I believe that the presence of the Lord gives us the opportunity to be involved in many things that we would never see or experience any other way. And so when we consider the life of Peter, we can discover that he experienced the miraculous in his life when he was with the Lord. And so too, I believe that you 
can experience miracles in your life when you determine to live in the very presence of God. And so hence, the message tonight, miraculous living. I believe tonight that that we've got to come to the place where we see that Jesus was the central figure in Peter's life. He had been with the Lord, and here the Sanhedrin, they took note, they took knowledge of them, and that they had been with Jesus. They couldn't understand how these ignorant and unlearned men that had no formal training could speak with great power and conviction and persuade people. They didn't comprehend how that miracles could be affected in a And a man could be made whole uh, of disease and things could be done that uh, that, uh, were on the line of the miraculous. They could could not explain it away. They said that uh, a miracle had been accomplished indeed and they could not speak a word against it. It was simply because they were living in the very presence of Jesus. And although Jesus had ascended up into heaven, Just the same, they knew that by His Spirit, He was with them and that He was in them. And I want us to notice some experiences in the life of Peter that we also can experience. And I want us to go back to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, and chapter 16. This is a pivotal moment in the life of Peter and the disciples It is really foundational to the doctrine of the church. And I believe that herein we find the moment in time where they all finally came to the realization that Jesus was indeed the Messiah and that He was the Son of the living God, that He was the one who would come and and take away their sin and to save His people. And, And when we consider this. We look here in Matthew 16, and the Bible says in verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. From the testimony of our Savior Jesus in this passage of Scripture, we can safely discern that what Peter said about who Jesus is was miraculously revealed to him by the Father which is in heaven. For the Lord had said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So, when we see Peter with Jesus, Peter made a miraculous confession. You see, he could not have made that confession had he not been with Jesus. Had he not been there and confronted in that moment by the Lord as to whom do you say that I am. And and folks, I want to tell you something. Uh, It doesn't matter what everybody else in the world thinks. What matters is Whom do you say that Jesus, the Son of Man, is? That is the central question of every age. Who is Jesus? And I submit to you tonight that there are many things in the Bible that you may not understand. There are many things in the Bible that perhaps uh, we we, we don't quite get and we're not certain how to to, uh, interpret those things. And, and, And what that means... And yet, I'm going to tell you something. There's one thing that should be eminently clear to everyone, and that is who Jesus is. He is God in the flesh. He is not only the Son of God, but He is God the Son. And you can get a lot of things wrong in the Bible and still make it into heaven 
But this one thing is the deal breaker. You can't get this one wrong. Who is Jesus? My friends, I know a lot of Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses are, are going out today even in the midst of the heat and riding their bicycles or carrying their watchtowers and knocking on doors and, and, uh, and peddling their false doctrine. And the thing that distinguishes them apart is that they do not believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. They do not believe that He is God the Son. And so, my friends, when Peter was with the Lord, he made a miraculous confession, and that was given to him by God. And so, my friends, you and I can only come to that miraculous moment as God leads us there. Because no man can come to Him except the Father draw Him. And just as Peter was drawn of the Father unto Jesus, so too you and I will miraculously be drawn. It will not be by the will of the flesh or the will of man. It's not going to be because we just had this yearning to come to Jesus. No, it will be because the, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came seeking us. It was because the, the Father willed it so and the Spirit of God impressed it upon us and drew us to the Lord. And when we finally come to Jesus and we see Him for who He is, it is then that we can answer for ourselves that Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I submit to you that it is truly miraculous when the Lord takes a sinner and transforms him into a saint. It's truly miraculous when we are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of love and light. It's truly miraculous when we are children of disobedience and God transforms us into the children of God. It is a miracle of miracles, my friend, when we come to the place led of the Father where we come to Jesus and we acknowledge Him for who He is. That didn't happen any other way than when Peter was with the Lord. Friends, today understand that when Jesus shows up, miracles are possible. And God calls us to live in His presence. I like that passage in Galatians 2. For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself me and so it is Christ who is living in me and when I acknowledge that and I live with that awareness and I am mindful of the fact that I am with him and he is in me and I am in him and I live with that awareness truly miraculous things can occur with Jesus Peter made a miraculous confession and the father revealed the truth to Peter about who Jesus was. And when we come to Jesus and we are standing in His presence, the Father will draw us and the miracle of the new birth can take place. When, when Jesus showed up, it changed everything. And friends, I, I tell you this, Jesus is in you if you know Him as Savior. He's with you if you know Him as Savior. Understand this, that the Holy Spirit is the agent of the Christ's life in you. He's the Spirit of Christ living out His life through you. And, and, and sometimes people think, well, uh, that's just a, a, a substitute. No, it's the very Spirit of the living God in you. And I would remind you that the Bible tells us in John chapter 4 that God is a Spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And when we see God face to face, I want you to know we'll be looking into the very face of the manifestation of God and His name is Jesus. Jesus. And so we, we notice that with Jesus, Peter made this miraculous confession and so can we. I want you to notice, if you would turn back to chapter 14 in Matthew. In chapter 14, we see another instance where Peter 
participated in a miracle. And we find in verse number 22, the Bible says, And straightway Jesus constrained His disciples to get into a ship and to go before Him unto the other side while He sent the multitudes away. And when He had sent the multitudes away, He went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, He was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered Him and said, Lord, if it be Thou, bid me come unto Thee on the water. And He said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me! And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped Him, saying, Of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. And so what we find here is this. The Lord walking on the sea in the middle of the night, and the disciples were there and and terrified. The the wind and the waves were kicking up, and and there they saw the Lord, and and they thought Him to be some sort of a ghost, and, and they were fearful. And when... They heard from Jesus saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Then Peter said, Lord, if it be Thou, bid me come to Thee on the water. And so the Lord said, I want you to come. Now, I have to tell you this, that I'd like to think that I, if I was sitting in the boat, I would have done exactly what Peter did. But I'm not exactly sure I would have. <laughs> I probably would have been tightening my life vest and holding on to the lines to, to, to keep from being bounced out of the boat by the wind and the waves. But Peter was endued with a, a confidence in his heart because he realized it was the Lord, and here's the Lord walking on the water. And while we give Peter a hard time because he took his eyes off of Jesus for a moment and began to sink, other than Jesus Himself, we do not have record of any other human being in the history of humanity having walked upon the water. And so when, G- when, when Peter was with Jesus, he had miraculous confidence. Miraculous confidence. He was able to step out of the boat onto a raging sea and walk on the water with Jesus. When he took his eyes off of Jesus, of course he began to sink. But then Jesus uh, affected another miracle and just reached down and pulled him up and, and, and saved him. And, and, and what we see is that other than the Lord, there was no person to have ever done this. And my friends, I want you to understand something. While you and I may never walk on water, there are miracles just the same that God will do, and God will endue us with a confidence that we could never have apart from Him if we are walking with the Lord. I'm going to say this to you. There are some of you who have determined uh, on the way to a job interview that this is a job that maybe is over your head. It's something you'd like to do, but, uh, uh, but maybe it's, it's just something you don't feel that maybe your credentials are equal to. And, and, and you go into that interview and you just put it in the hands of God. And you say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in there with you. And God, I, I'm going to trust you to guide my lips and to tell me what to say. And God, I'm going to honor and acknowledge you. And you know what? All of a sudden you're overwhelmed with a confidence that you, you just would have never had apart from being in the presence of God. All of a sudden, you have the boldness to say things and to articulate things that perhaps you might never have had did you not go in there with Jesus. Had you gone in there in your own wisdom and strength, uh, you, you'd, you'd sound like uh, 
Joe Biden in an interview, uh, 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 but uh, uh, kind of like Elmer Fudd on crack. But what I'm saying is, is, look, because you went in there with Jesus, you had a confidence, and God gave you the ability to articulate because of that confidence. And really, it was God doing through you what, apart from Him, perhaps you could never have done. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, I'm going to tell you, fear floods our our hearts just like it did Peter's. And yet, I can look back to many seasons of time in my life where nothing in the world would have indicated I would be confident. Nothing in the world would have indicated I could have had peace. I recall when I was pastoring in California as a young pastor when the Rodney King riots broke out in, in, in the Los Angeles area. And it was worse in our area of the city. And... and uh, in our city, there were 425 buildings on fire at the same time. It wasn't just like they, they lit the Wendy's on fire. No, it was like, man, every Wendy's was burning in town. And I mean, it was like 425 buildings burning at the same time. It looked like a war zone. You could hear automatic weaponry going off all over the city at the same time. It, it was an unbelievable experience. It was surreal, really. You felt like you were absolutely living in a war zone. I witnessed murders. I witnessed beatings. I witnessed lootings. I witnessed arson. I witnessed anarchy and mayhem. And for many weeks thereafter, the, the National Guard and the Marines came from Camp Pendleton and the, and the FBI and the ATF and they set up tanks in the city streets and there were uh, soldiers with M16s and, and, uh, and, and AR-15s and, 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 and all kinds of weaponry standing on every corner in the city. And one night as I had gone down to the church and, and someone was trying to, to light our gymnasium on fire and there was gunfire all around me. And, uh, and I was standing in the midst of the church parking lot. And we had formed a circle with uh, vehicles. And, and the men of the church were in the midst of the circle. And we were praying. And, and many of them were armed. And, and, and it was a perilous moment in time. I can remember uh, kneeling down and being overwhelmed with the peace of God. And knowing that I was right exactly where God wanted me to be. Right exactly at the time of His appointment. And that this, there, there would never be a moment to that point in my life that was more propitious and opportune for the spread of the gospel because people's hearts were hungry and they were questioning and they were disillusioned and we were able to give the gospel and many, many hundreds of people came to Jesus Christ in the ensuing days and weeks because we were offering hope through Jesus and my friends, I'm telling you this, that there was no earthly reason why I should have confidence in that moment other than that the fact was that God was there and we were determined to walk with God and with Jesus, we can have miraculous confidence. My friends, those of you that are overwhelmed with fear, you're wringing your hands and you're on medicine and, and, uh, and, and you, you tremble and you're afraid to go out, I'm going to say this to you, that with Jesus, you can have, like Peter, miraculous confidence in the face of any circumstance, and God will give it to you. And when others see it upon you, they'll know that it's God alone because it's not in you apart from God. And uh, look, I, I want you to know that's exactly what God wants to do. And the Bible tells us in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that that's exactly what the Lord will do. For the Bible says, all things are for your sake. Whatever it is that's going on, it's for your sake and not for your destruction. That the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not? For though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. You see, God wants to encourage you and infuse you with a, with a confidence in God, not in yourself. And when that happens, others look and they see that, that abundant grace that, upon, that is upon you from God alone. And it redounds to the glory of God. And you know that it's something God miraculously imparted to you that you would never have had apart from Him. With Jesus, Peter showed miraculous confidence. And with Jesus... Peter made a miraculous confession. 
and so may we. But let me say this, we notice an incredible event in the life of Jesus that affected Peter in Mark chapter 9. And if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn there in Mark chapter 9. Mark 9. The Bible tells us this in verse number 1. And He said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death, till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And after six days Jesus taketh with Him Peter and James and John, and leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves, and He was transfigured before them. And His raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. And there appeared unto them Elias with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. For he wished not what to say, for they were sore afraid. Now, you know, isn't that just like Peter? To open his mouth and stick his foot in it, in a holy moment, just because he wasn't sure what to say, so he just started babbling. Lord, I got a good idea. Why don't we build three tabernacles? One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elias. Man, this is cool, Lord. And uh, he should have just held his peace and been quiet and still before God. But he said he did. The Bible here says he didn't know what to say. They were so afraid. But there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, "This is my beloved son." Hear Him. And suddenly, when they had looked round about, they saw no man anymore, save Jesus only with themselves. And as they came down from the mountain, He charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen, till the Son of Man were risen from the dead. You know, when Peter was with Jesus, he witnessed a miraculous change. A miraculous change. They were Here was Jesus and Moses and Elias that were transfigured. And they were there as witnesses to one of the most incredible events in the, in the ministry of our Lord. And I'm just simply saying that here we notice that Jesus took the inner circle with him, took Peter and James and John and said, I want you to, to go up into this mountain with me. And when we're with Jesus, I'm going to tell you something. When, when we determine to walk with Jesus, there are privileges that come along with that. When we have that close intimacy with the Lord and we're walking with Him, the Lord will say, hey, come, come up here. I want, I, want to, I want you to see something. I want you to witness something. I want you to participate in something. And when we are with Jesus, there are privileges that we get to enjoy. There are things that other people that don't choose to live in His presence never experience. It's not to build us up. It's not to puff us up. I, you know, I know some people that think they're so smart. They've just studied things from the Bible and and they got an attitude on them like, you know, I know something that you don't know. And, and uh, they're kind of arrogant. They, they, they forgot to read the verse in the Bible that says, Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth unto all things. But, uh, but nevertheless, they kind of get that idea. And they think that because they know something that they're ascended. And the fact of the matter is, I know a lot of people that know a lot about the Bible and they think they're very smart, but they live outside of the presence of Jesus because they're walking in their own wisdom. And you know what? There are things that happen in the lives of those that have no formal training but simply love God and live in His presence and those that perhaps think they know God because they're so smart about things, but they don't choose to live with the awareness of God in me and God with me and God all around me, that those people that might otherwise be 
thought of as a, as a childish Christian, they're going to see things because they're with the Lord. They're walking with God. And here was Peter. And even though he stuck his foot in his mouth, he was one that would have died for the Lord and the Lord knew it, although the Lord later predicted he would deny him. But I'm going to tell you, at that moment in time, he, there was a closeness with those three, Peter, James, and John. And I believe that Jesus was preparing them for that which was to come in leadership. And because they were with the Lord, they witnessed a miraculous change. Friends, when we are with Jesus, we will witness miracles. And listen, when we are with Jesus, we can see profound change. They, listen, Peter, James, and John saw Jesus transfigured. A little glimpse of the Shekinah of God came down. It was brighter than any fuller could ever make it on this earth. And a cloud descended from heaven in the voice of God declaring, This is my beloved Son. Hear Him. They got to be a part of something that others would only get to read about. But my friend, when you and I are walking with God, miracles can happen and we like Peter and James and John can witness miraculous changes in people's lives. I'm going to tell you something. I have I've many times seen young gangbangers step out into an aisle on a Sunday morning and walk down the street with baggy pants and and uh, and showing their gang colors flying and and uh, wearing a a, a, a t-shirt and their chains and all the implements of, of of gang life and and walk down an aisle with tears in their eyes and trust Christ as their savior and the next time you see them you don't recognize them they got a haircut and they, they put on a suit and a tie and they got a bible under their arms and and there's just something about them and and my friends when we walk with the Lord we have the ability and the opportunity afforded to us by God to see miraculous changes in lives and the such, of, uh, such miraculous changes that people would say that person will never change. Not even God could change that person. But my friend, when we're walking with God, we get to bear witness to transformative things in the lives of others and, and would to God it would even be in our own. I want you to notice if you would in John chapter 18, turn there with me quickly as we bring our message uh, to some kind of a conclusion tonight in John chapter 18. Here we find Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane and as the soldiers from the, from the temple are coming with the Roman host, almost every book that you could study would indicate that there were somewhere between 300 and 600 soldiers that accompanied the chief priests to the garden. What we find is that there was easily hundreds, many say 500 armed individuals that came to the garden of Gethsemane. And among the disciples, there was only two that bore a sword, and one of them was Peter. And the Bible tells us, in verse number 10, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it, and smote the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall not I drink it? What we find is that here are Hundreds of armed men in the middle of the night. And here is a, is, is a disciple, Peter, and he alone draws a sword against hundreds of armed men rising in the defense of Jesus. As he stood by Jesus, something happened. You see, when Peter was with Jesus, he demonstrated miraculous courage. When he was with Jesus, he made a miraculous confession and he had he showed miraculous confidence and he saw a miraculous change. But here we find miraculous courage when he was with the Lord. He drew his sword against perhaps 500 armed men. Now listen, on my best day, I could maybe only handle 100. No, the fact of the matter is that, look, Peter 
was way outnumbered. There was no way, no how, that he was going to escape that thing if he tried to fight through it with a single sword against hundreds of armed men. There was just no way, no how. I, I, I know that we could see those types of scenarios in the movies, but that wasn't the movies. All right, And, and I'm just saying that wasn't going to happen. I, I, I'll tell you this, that Peter showed a miraculous courage and he was following through on the declaration that he had made earlier that he would die for Jesus. Now, I, I know Peter failed the Lord in the hour of his greatest need, but prior to the encounter in the hall of Caiaphas where he denied the Lord thrice before the cock crew twice, we, we understand this, that here's a moment where he in fact stood up and was willing to die for Jesus. Nobody else stood up. Nobody else drew a sword. Nobody else picked up a stone. Everybody else was quiet. We have no record of anybody else being willing to stand up to the armed men. But Peter had miraculous courage in the face of insurmountable odds because he was standing with Jesus. And I would tell you this, when you're standing with Jesus, He will give you a courage that you could never find outside of His presence. I'll tell you, I've known men who have, who have preached on street corners and been heckled and, and been threatened and, and been shoved around, been threatened with arrest, and, and they stood up declaring mightily the Gospel of Jesus Christ with courage. It was only because they were doing so in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of Jesus was in them and with them and all around them. And they, with the Lord, demonstrated a miraculous courage. So too Peter, when he was standing with Jesus, had that kind of courage. When Peter was apart from the Lord, however, it was a different story, wasn't it? when he found himself away from the Lord and warming his hands by the fire outside of the hall of Caiaphas, it seemed that his courage was gone. Unfortunately, many of us spend our days finding comfort and companionship with the world and its people. When the time comes to stand up, we don't quite find the courage. When someone at our job gives us the opportunity to be a witness, sometimes we squander it away because we're not living a miraculous life in the presence of Jesus. I want you to notice one final thing. If you would, turn to Luke 22 and hold your place there in John. We're going to look in John 21 after we look in Luke 22. But I want to read two places in the Bible as we as we conclude, Luke chapter 22, the Bible says in verse number 31, The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, Strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he attempted to do that, didn't he? And he said, meaning the Lord, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. The Lord said, Satan desires to have you, but, but I prayed for you that you'd be converted. And when you are, strengthen thy brethren. Consider John chapter 21, verse number 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? 
He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou, thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. You see, there came a point in time where Peter was warming his hands around the enemy fire. The Lord said, it's going to happen, Peter. And he stopped walking and following closely with the Lord. And he denied the Lord. And what he needed was a conversion. Because the Lord said, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, that when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. When Peter was with Jesus, he experienced a miraculous conversion. The Lord predicted it, the conversion of Peter. It reveals that the Lord knew in advance that Peter would forsake his calling to be the disciple of Jesus. But when he sat again with the Lord, the Lord once again commissioned him and said, follow me. Perhaps others would have said, when I needed you the most, you forsook me. I can't use someone like that. Perhaps others might have said, you're just like all the others. You could not take a stand. But Jesus saw something in him. And when Peter drew near to the Lord, and finally in humility bowed his heart before Him and confessed His undying love for Him and knew that it would cost Him His very life to humble Himself and submit Himself to that calling. He was converted. He once again gave His entire life over to Jesus, forsaking this world and its flesh to live the life of Jesus, to take up the cross both literally and figuratively and follow Jesus. Do you know that Peter learned that when he walked in the presence of Jesus, anything could happen? And the miraculous did happen. You know, I of a man that could use a miracle or two. How about you? There are things in my life that require the divine, the supernatural, because flesh is not sufficient for these things. There are things that I'd love to see the Lord do, and I realize that He calls me into His presence and invites me into intimacy with Him so that I can experience miraculous living. Living in the presence. When Peter was with Jesus, he made a miraculous confession. And he showed miraculous confidence. He witnessed a miraculous change. He demonstrated miraculous courage. And he personally experienced a miraculous conversion. Do you know what we need? We need that. We need the Lord to change our hearts and fashion them like His. That can happen supernaturally as we determine to live in His presence. I know that I'm talking to many people that dearly yearn to see Miracles take place.
And they can with Jesus. There's no other way. Heavenly Father, I pray that You would help us to consider the life of Peter and that he lived a miraculous life because he lived it with Jesus. Lord, I pray that that would be our passion to live and walk with the miraculous living. Help us, Lord, how we need You. These things we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Tonight, my friends, if you're watching and you do not even know that if you died right now that you would go to heaven, I want you to listen very carefully for just a couple of moments. The most important thing a person could ever know is that when they die, their sins are forgiven and that they'll spend forever in heaven with God. There are too many people that are uncertain, but the Bible says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. God loves you so much He wants you to know it and not doubt it. And so, if you desire to know that your sins are forgiven and that heaven is your home forever, I want you to understand first of all that the Bible says something about all of us and that is this, that there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none of us that's perfect. And that's a truth. goes on and says, For all have sinned, that's everybody, you and me, and come short of the glory of God. Reveals that God doesn't grade on a sliding scale. What He demands is perfect holiness, and we all fall short of that because we're all imperfect. Now, if we could change our behavior, we still have sins past, but we still have another problem, and that is the Bible says that wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You see, we inherited sin from our forefather, Adam, who sinned against the Lord, and God pronounced the sentence of death upon all of His descendants, and that's us. The Bible says there's a consequence for sin, and that is the wages of sin is death. Now, Death is very simply separation. The Bible tells us in the book of James that the body without the spirit is dead. And so that's separation. When the spirit separates the body, death occurs. And, and, and we also know that there's a second death, that's spiritual death. And it is also separation. It's separation from God in a place of suffering called hell. And so what we deserve because of our sin is to go to a place of suffering called hell and pay the price for our sin. But, but the good news is this. God loves you so much He doesn't want you to go there. And so He sent His Son Jesus who came willingly to be your sacrifice, to pay the price for your sin and mine by His death on the cross of Calvary. And He shed His blood so that we might be washed clean of all of our sin, past, present, and future. And through the forgiveness that is ours by the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, we have the hope of heaven. Because Jesus died, He was buried, and He rose again, we have a living Savior that now offers us His life, eternal life, everlasting life, if we simply trust Him. Just like Peter made a miraculous confession, the Father is now drawing some to Himself, revealing Jesus to be the only Savior from sin and hell and the only way of salvation. In the verse prior to our text tonight, the Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that tells us, my friend, that Jesus is the only way. That's indeed what He said in John chapter 14 and verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. And so if you believe that you're a sinner and that your sin has separated you from God and you deserve to suffer in hell, but that Jesus loved you so much that He took your punishment, He died in your place to forgive you of your sin, and that He offers heaven to you as a free gift if you will simply believe Him and receive it, 
If you believe that tonight, as I've shared it with you simply, I want to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. Now, my prayer can never save you. But if these words that I articulate from my heart reflect the desire of your heart and you pray them with sincerity, it will be your prayer and not mine. And you will be saved. And we have God's Word on it. For He said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If it's your desire to be forgiven of every sin, and to know that heaven is yours, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner. I know that I cannot save myself. I now invite Jesus into my heart and into my life to forgive me of all of my sin and to save me so that I may spend forever in heaven with him. I'm now trusting in Jesus and Jesus only to save me and take me to heaven. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Enable me now to live for thee. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My friend, if you prayed that prayer and meant those things with all of your heart, that was your prayer and God heard it. And today, you are miraculously changed. God has saved you. And when He gives you life, it's everlasting life. That means it never ends. Because when Jesus was hanging on the cross, you and I were not born yet. And He took care in advance of every sin that you and I would ever commit. We're saved forever. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 89, Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven. And when God gives you His Word, it's settled. You're saved. If you made that decision, send us a, a note, an email, perhaps give us a call at the church office. You can find our information through Sermon Audio or our website at freewaybaptist.org. Thank you.